This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hello, my name is Felix Fang. I'm a professor of radiation oncology, urology, and medicine, and also vice chair for the Department of Radiation Oncology at the University of California at San Francisco. And today, it's my pleasure to talk to you about risk stratification for prostate cancer and the emerging role of genomic biomarkers in that context. Here are my disclosures, uh, and I consult for a number of prostate cancer therapeutics and biomarker companies. So today, I am going to divide my talk into two sections. In the first section, I'm going to talk about uh, the current approaches for risk stratification for patients with localized prostate cancer. And in the second part, I'm gonna talk about recent advances in risk stratification using genomic biomarkers. And so let's begin by discussing trends in prostate cancer over time. And so here's a plot of the incidence of various cancers in the United States uh, over the last few decades. Um, and on the, on, the, on the top here, you can see that prostate cancer is the number one diagnosed solid cancer uh, in men in the United States over this time period. And it's kind of interesting because you can see that the incidence of prostate cancer apparently went up in the early 1990s, but that's also when TSA screening uh, became more widely used. Um, and more recently, the incidence of prostate cancer is decreasing, probably because, you know, for better or worse, uh, uh, PSA screening is becoming uh, less used, and that's actually an area of controversy that I won't touch upon today. But next to this, on the same uh, scale, I want to put down the, uh, the, the data for uh, who unfortunately dies of cancer. And what you can see here is that shown in brown again uh, is prostate cancer, and there's a couple big points to, to, to look at here. Number one, while a number of patients, a large number of patients are diagnosed with prostate cancer every year, as you can see on the left, um, a relatively small proportion of prostate cancer patients actually die of their disease. And so the vast majority of patients with prostate cancer um, uh, live you know, either with prostate cancer or they're cured of prostate cancer. The other point to bring up though, uh, is that you know, the number of patients dying of prostate cancer every year uh, is going down and that's great. And I think that's due to better therapies, better diagnosis, and so forth. But overall, I think the take-home point is, well, we have some prostate cancers that can be lethal, but the majority of them are not. And so how do we distinguish the prostate cancers that are really bad from the prostate cancers that are not so bad? And what, what I think we should point out here is that prostate cancers can behave quite differently. And so this is kind of a, 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 a depiction of you know, the way I look at different kinds of prostate cancers. So some prostate cancers are like snails. You know, they, they, they grow really, really, really slowly and they may actually never be detected in the course of a man's life. Some are like turtles. They walk around, um, but you can see them over time. Some are like rabbits where they, they hop relatively quickly and some are like birds that unfortunately fly and, and progress relatively quickly. And when I see a patient with prostate cancer, it's important to uh, perform appropriate risk stratification. Uh, 
so I can tell the snails and the turtles from the rabbits and the birds. And so ultimately, I think accurate risk stratification is one of the most important components of the patient's care. And the goal is to inform both physician and patient decisions about optimal initial treatment approach and timing. So appropriate risk stratification helps us decide which patients should be on active surveillance. And while I'm not gonna to touch upon that today, uh, uh, Peter Carroll is going to talk about that subsequently. Um, appropriate risk stratification tells us who can uh, proceed with early local therapy uh, with let's say either surgery or radiation alone, or who needs multimodality therapy with more than one treatment uh, uh, because of the aggressiveness of the disease. Um, and down the road, um, risk stratification can also point to who's going to have a higher risk of needing uh, hormone therapy in the future. And so the D'Amico risk groups were one of the first approaches to uh, risk stratification for patients. And this was based on three components, the PSA level, the Gleason grade, and the tumor stage. And so patients with low uh, um, risk prostate cancer were defined as patients who had a PSA level of less than or equal to 10, um, Gleason grade one, which is now, which was previously Gleason score six, um, uh, and also stage T1 to T2A disease. Patients with intermediate risk prostate cancer were those with PSA uh, 10 to 20, um, Gleason grade two to three, previously this was Gleason score seven, um, or stage T2B disease. And you only needed to have one of these characteristics uh, to fall in the intermediate risk category. And patients with high-risk prostate cancer were those who had any one of the following features, PSA greater than 20, Gleason grade greater than or equal to four, which was Gleason score eight to 10 back in the day, um, and stage T2C or greater. But it turns out that while the D'Amico risk groups were uh, um, a better advance than what had previously been done, they themselves you know, uh, could use a lot of improvement. And so more recently, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, which, which, which puts out guidelines for um, a, a physician um, uh, treatment of patients uh, for prostate cancer and other cancers, actually revised um, our original risk groups. And now there are six categories ranging from very low all the way to very high risk. Um, and again, this is mostly based on PSA, Gleason score, T-stage, but also takes into account in certain categories, the number of positive cores, the percent positivity of any core, um, and, and, and PSA kinetics of sorts. But it turns out that for certain endpoints, like who is going to have metastatic disease and who is not, the NCCN risk groups are not ideal. And so here's a graph where on the y-axis, you can see what we call the cumulative incidence of metastasis, meaning you know, which patients uh, will develop metastatic disease over time. And the x-axis represents the time since diagnosis, or in this case, the time since uh, radical prostatectomy or surgery. Um, and, what, and, and basically for these plots, uh, the higher they rise, the more patients are getting metastatic disease over time. And so what you can see is that patients with low and favorable intermediate risk disease have a low chance of metastasis over time. Those in, in this particular study with unfavorable intermediate risk or high or very high risk had a higher chance. But ideally what we wanna see is we wanna see a bigger dynamic range, meaning that we don't want the, the blue line to be on top of the yellow line and the gray line to be on top of the red line. 
we want them to actually be separate from each other um, so that we can have a, a, a kind of more detailed approach, more accurate approach of, of telling patients how their what their prognosis is going to be. And, and part of the reason why the NCCN uh, criteria may not be as ideal nowadays is that they, uh, the, the criteria that are used to define the groups kind of are, are considered inconsistently. So for example, very low risk prostate cancer, you know, let's say it looks at the, um, uh, the number of cores positive, but the majority uh, of the other uh, risk groups don't incorporate that. And so, you know, I think we can do better. And actually, um, a number of years ago, uh, Matt Cooperberg and Peter Carroll uh, ran uh, one of the first studies looking at the CAPRA score. And this is the CAPRA stands for the Cancer of the Prostate Risk Assessment. And what they did was they developed a classifier where they broke down PSA into smaller uh, divisions, uh, Gleason score, uh, tumor stage, which is a physical exam, the percent positive biopsies, and also included age. And ultimately, this could be grouped uh, into three groups, um, uh, but was intended to validate and perform as a scale from zero to 10. And so it gives you what we call a better dynamic range, um, better um, uh, risk stratification. And so this is what uh, um, uh, the Kappa score gets you in terms of looking at outcomes as a function of time. And so on the y-axis here is the, what we call the proportion of event-free survival. And so this is the amount of time uh, that goes by uh, where somebody uh, uh, does not die of prostate cancer. And on the x-axis is the time after diagnosis. And what you can tell here is that the likelihood of cancer mortality ranges from zero to greater than 65% at 15 years down the road. Um, and that, again, you can tell that patients with a CAPRA score of zero is on the top. Uh, CAPRA score one is uh, right under that. CAPRA score of 10 is, is on the bottom. Um, and so, you know, this gives you what we call a better dynamic range. And so instead of the previous uh, plot that I showed you with the NCCN groups where the low favorable intermediate risk were clustered together and the um, uh, unfavorable intermediate risk and high were clustered together, here you can see that um, there's just a, a much nicer spread. And, and so, you know, um, you know, for a patient, you can actually have a more accurate risk stratification. Um, and each two-point increase in CAPRA indicates roughly a doubling in risk. And this is uh, kind of the tools we use nowadays uh, when, when patients ask about their prognosis. Um, we can actually give them kind of more accurate information. So one question we can ask is, what has been the most significant recent advance in risk stratification for patients with prostate cancer? And my answer to that is genomic biomarkers. And so the, this is a snapshot from the uh, NCCN guidelines. Uh, you know, these are national guidelines for uh, physicians uh, on how to treat prostate cancer. And um, this is the 2021 guidelines. It's still in draft form. But I wanna point out that there are now four different genomic biomarkers, uh, uh, which are now reimbursed by Medicare. Um, and these are Decipher, Prolaris, Oncotype, and Promark. Uh, and of all of these, Decipher and Prolaris have the broadest uh, coverage, meaning they're now insurance reimbursed for all patients who have non-metastatic or who have localized prostate cancer. And I don't wanna go into all the detail today, but I, I, I think it's important to point out that all of these different genomic biomarkers have been demonstrated to improve risk stratification when added to clinical features. And actually there are three that are more commonly used 
Um, and these are the Oncotype DX tests, which is uh, made by a company called Genomic Health. And it, um, there's the Polaris test made by uh, a company called Myriad Genetics. And there's Decipher made by Decipher Biosciences. Uh, and for those of you who are interested, I can discuss you know, all the nuances between these different tests. But today I'm gonna provide a kind of a bigger overview. And in general, I tend to prefer Decipher. And the reason why I tend to prefer Decipher is that it's the most broadly validated. So there's been the most number of independent studies uh, looking at what Decipher adds to clinical risk stratification for patients. The other point is that Oncotype measures the expression or the level of 17 different genes. Polaris measures the level of 46 different genes. The Decipher platform actually, every time it's run, measures the level of 46,000 genes. It outputs a score actually that's only based on 22 genes, but you can get something called the Decipher grid, which provides the data on you know, uh, all 46,000 genes kind of summarized based on signatures and so forth. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer that more information is good. Um, and also Decipher was the first prostate cancer genomics test to be approved broadly for any patient with non-metastatic disease. And so I've, I've gotten in the practice of ordering it because I didn't need to figure, uh, I didn't need to make sure that this patient had low risk prostate cancer. I could only order this test for intermediate risk. I could order another test. Decipher, you can order across the board. And so it turns out that Decipher is prognostic, meaning it adds to risk stratification uh, with clinical variables across the spectrum of uh, prostate cancer. Um, and so here, this is kind of a, 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 a plot summarizing many of the studies that have reported out associations between Decipher and various clinical parameters like adverse pathology at the time of surgery, BF stands for biochemical failure or PSA recurrence. MET stands for the chance of having a metastatic disease down the road. And PCSM stands for prostate cancer specific mortality, meaning who's going to uh, uh, live or die of prostate, uh, uh, from prostate cancer, unfortunately. Um, and this red line is basically the line where if, if these dots and, and their, their, their surrounding lines cross this red line, it means that uh, Decipher was not adding any important information. But here, what you can see is across these broad range of studies, uh, all the dots, all the blue and gray and black dots and lines are to the right of the red line. And what that means is that in each of these studies, Decipher is providing important information on the aggressiveness of prostate cancer. Um, and so I wanna go back to this plot where I showed you earlier of patients who had surgery and this is the incidence of metastasis over time. And remember, I, one of my critiques is that when using conventional NCCN risk groups, there's only really basically two categories, the blue and the yellow are together and the red and the, and the gray are together. Um, a, a couple of years ago, we incorporated Decipher into these NCCN risk groups. And now you can see that there are, uh, there's a much nicer spread. Uh, and what that means is that, you know, um, you know, my patients, they don't want to necessarily know if their disease is just good or bad. They want to know whether it's, I guess, no disease is ever good, but they want to, the summer are, don't ever really need to be treated. And so they want to know whether their disease is very good, good, okay, good, just okay, you know, okay, maybe I should worry a little bit, or maybe I should worry yeah, a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, putting Decipher into those clinical risk groups, I think it really gets us there. 
Now, another question we can ask is how can better risk stratification improve patient care? And the way I think about it is that patients with less aggressive disease should receive less aggressive treatments and be spared the side effects of certain treatments. On the other hand, patients with more aggressive disease uh, should receive more intensive treatment to maximize uh, their chances at cure. And overall, the way I view it is that better risk stratification equals better personalization of care. And so here's an example of how we can use Decipher to potentially guide treatment for patients. And so this is a study that looked at the use of Decipher in, in patients with uh, intermediate risk prostate cancer defined by uh, kind of clinical parameters, and they were all treated with radiation alone. And this is a uh, this was from the University of Toronto, led by a colleague of mine, Ali Berlin. There, and these are Kaplan-Meier plots, and you might see them through the rest of this conference. But the Kaplan-Meier plots, what they indicate is uh, a certain event happening over time. And so, in this case, uh, the y-axis represents the number of patients who have not uh, had a metastasis over time. And so, for each of these lines. Uh, if, if patients do perfectly well and they never have a metastasis, it's, uh, the line stays completely at the top like this blue line does. But if patients end up having a metastatic event, every time there's a patient with a metastasis, the line starts dropping down towards the bottom. If every patient has a metastasis, the line would be all the way down at the bottom. And so again, th this was a relatively favorable group of patients, intermediate risk disease, but we ran this, or they ran decipher on all of them, uh, and patients with low decipher score are shown in blue, those with intermediate uh, are shown in the uh, yellow, and those with high decipher score are shown in the red. And I think the point to bring up here is that patients with low clinical genomic risk, meaning low decipher scores, had no metastatic events when treated with radiation alone. And this, is an, this was important for us clinically because for patients with intermediate risk prostate cancer, we often consider whether we should treat them with radiation and hormone therapy or radiation alone. And here, what this study suggests is that maybe with patients with low decipher score, you can feel somewhat comfortable perhaps using radiation alone. But this was a smaller study. And so we wanted to be able to confirm this um, uh, on, on a larger patient set. And so um, in one of my other uh, roles, I chair a large international clinical trials group um, called NRG Oncology. I chair the Genital Urinary Cancer Committee for this uh, group. And this means I oversee a, a large number of international national uh, clinical trials for patients with prostate cancer. And so this is one of our studies, it's called the guidance trial. Um, and the number is also abbreviated GU10. Um, and it's for patients with uh, previously untreated, unfavorable intermediate risk prostate cancer by clinical parameters. It's a large study, 2,430 patients. Um, and where uh, the study actually has not started enrolling, but when it does enroll, uh, which we hope it will open, that we hope this trial will open in the next year or so, we're going to have all patients undergo decipher testing, and those patients with low decipher score are going to be randomized to one of two arms. Uh, arm arm two in this case is radiation and short-term androgen deprivation therapy, and that represents the standard of care for patients with unfavorable intermediate risk prostate cancer by just clinical parameters. But because we know that low decipher score might uh, uh, indicate pa patients who might do quite well with just radiation alone, what we're doing is we're randomizing these patients from ARM2, which is the standard of care, 
to ARM1 as well. So half of them will be in ARM1, half of them will be in ARM2. And in ARM1, they get less aggressive treatment. Now for patients with intermediate to high decipher scores, we're actually also randomizing them again to the standard of care, which is radiation and short-term androgen deprivation, uh, as well as a more aggressive treatment arm that involves adding the next generation anti-androgen darolutamide to radiation and short-term androgen deprivation. And so here you can see that genomic testing is being incorporated into you know, big phase three trials nationally. And I think in a couple of years from now, um, will become widespread uh, in use and, and probably the standard of care. Now, I showed you data on patients with intermediate risk prostate cancer. It turns out that if you look at patients with high-risk prostate cancer by standard clinical features, Decipher can identify a subset of these patients at very low risk for metastatic progression when, when treated with standard of care, which in this case is radiation and long-term androgen deprivation therapy. And so here you can see a plot where uh, the y-axis is how many patients got metastasis over time. And if you take the low decipher group shown in uh, blue here, um, almost none of them ended up with metastatic progression compared to patients with intermediate to high decipher score. And all of these patients, again, had high-risk disease. So similar to the previous uh, study in intermediate risk prostate cancer, we are starting the PREDICT-RT study in patients with high-risk prostate cancer this study is actually open and accruing nationally. It's, got, uh, it's going to accrue 2,478 patients, and this will be patients with previously untreated high-risk prostate cancer uh, by clinical parameters. And as again, similar schema from what I showed you previously, patients with low or intermediate decipher scores get randomized to the standard of care, for, and which for these patients is radiation and long-term androgen deprivation therapy. And if they have a low intermediate decipher score, 50% then will be randomized to a less aggressive treatment course, half the duration of hormone therapy as in the standard of care arm. If they have a high decipher score, um, these patients will be randomized uh, where half of them will get a more aggressive treatment approach where the next generation androgen-directed therapies, abiraterone and apalutamide are added to the standard of care. And so again, this is how we're using genomic biomarkers to really uh, uh, guide patient uh, 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 care through randomized clinical trials. So the data I've shown you so far has been in the context of newly diagnosed prostate cancer for patients who have not had any treatment. It turns out that Decipher can also improve risk stratification in patients who have uh, already had surgery. And so here you can see the incidence of metastasis over time. And what that means is that the higher the curve goes, the more uh, patients in that group are developing uh, metastasis. And so um, what you can see is that in patients who have, this was a large cohort study that Dan Spratt, who's uh, a previous uh, mentee of mine um, and I did uh, a number of years ago where we, we, we took patients who had surgery, uh, ran uh, decipher scores on them and saw that patients with low decipher score uh, uh, did better than patients with high decipher score. And on this plot here, um, again, this is similar to what I, I showed earlier. This is a, a, a forest plot where um, the red line is uh, the line which uh, if, if, if these you know, blue dots with their surrounding black lines cross the red line, then Decipher isn't providing any value. But you can see that the yellow line is set off uh, from the red line. Yellow line indicates kind of the average performance of Decipher across all these subgroups of patients with prostate cancer based on race and PSA and Gleason score and surgical margin status. And across the board, basically, Decipher is adding value in all patient subsets, uh, you know, in patients who've had surgery 
you know, in terms of risk stratification. And, you know, there actually are uh, important um, implications here. So it turns out that after this, uh, surgery, decipher scores may identify which patients benefit from adjuvant radiation, which is radiation given when the PSA is undetectable, uh, versus salvage radiation, which is radiation given when the patient uh, has an unfortunately had a PSA that's come back. And so this, this basically relates to the timing of radiation after surgery. And what this is showing is that in patients with low decipher score, there's no difference in outcome between those who got adjuvant versus salvage radiation. Uh, and what this suggests is that, you know, uh, so what this suggests is that patients who have aggressive disease found at the time of surgery, if they, if they still have low decipher scores, um, you know, probably the standard of care would be just to wait, not do anything. And if their PSA happens to come back, then you radiate at that point in time. Now, conversely, patients with high decipher scores, you know, um, they appear to benefit from adjuvant radiation, meaning earlier radiation compared to salvage radiation, which means radiation once the PSA is detectable again. Um, and so, you know, potentially for patients with higher decipher scores, uh, we should be more proactive with giving radiation after surgery. Now, another question we can ask is, can Decipher be used to identify which patients should receive androgen deprivation therapy with salvage uh, radiation after surgery? And for this, I'm gonna rely on uh, the RTOG 9601 trial, which we published uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine a few years ago. And this study was a large phase three trial for patients who had recurrent uh, PSA recurrences after surgery for prostate cancer, and they were randomized to uh, salvage radiation, meaning radiation when the PSA was detectable, and you can see the PSA range here, which was either given with two years of the um, anti-androgen therapy by colutamide or, or two years of placebo. Um, and what this showed was that two years of bicolumide improved the overall survival of patients by about 5% after 12 years. And that 5% may not seem like a lot, um, but you know, uh, whenever we get a survival improvement in the context of prostate cancer treatment, um, you know, that, that survival improvement is quite meaningful because, uh, you know, you can imagine a standard population of patients with prostate cancer is 65 to 70. And, you know, those patients, uh, unfortunately, uh, may be dying of other things outside of prostate cancer. So there's what we call competing risks, uh, you know, uh, of mortality. And so any improvement uh, that you can see with an intervention causing improved survival in, in, in these kind of patients with prostate cancer, we tend to pay attention to. But anyway, the, convert, the, the, the flip side is that, well, again, 5% benefit is not that uh, much. Can we improve the risk stratification so we have a better sense of who benefits from the hormone therapy and who doesn't? And so here again, I think we can show the value of genomic profiling with Decipher. And so what these plots represent is the, uh, uh, the, the absolute um, uh, percentage chance of having a 12-year uh, distant metastasis. Um, this is on the left. Uh, the 12-year rates of prostate cancer-specific mortality, that's in the middle, and that means the chance of dying from prostate cancer 12 years after treatment. And then 12-year overall survival, meaning who's alive or not alive uh, at 12 years after treatment. And what we've done is we've broken down uh, this, the, the patients from this trial uh, based on their decipher risk, meaning we went back, got the samples and, and profiled uh, the samples from this trial with decipher. And what I wanna point out is that patients with the low decipher score shown in blue, they seem to have a much smaller benefit 
from uh, hormone therapy than patients with intermediate and high decipher score shown in red. And so what we've done here is we looked at, you know, for example, on the left, um, the 12 year metastatic rate in patients who had low decipher score who were treated with radiation alone versus radiation plus hormone therapy. We looked at that difference and that difference is what's plotted here. And so hormone therapy uh, is only, uh, only improved um, the 12 year metastatic rate uh, uh, by, by about 5% uh, in patients with low decipher score, but it was about 15.7% in patients with intermediate to high decipher score. And when you look at these other endpoints, you can see that really the benefit of adding hormone therapy in patients with low decipher score is much less than the benefit of adding uh, hormone therapy in patients with intermediate to high decipher score. Now, the previous study, I, the previous plots I showed you is in men who had a range of PSA from 0.2 to 4 after surgery. Now what I've done is I've restricted the same analysis to patients who uh, had what we call early salvage radiation, meaning radiation um, when the PSA levels were low before zero, below 0 0.7 in this context. And now these are the same plots and you can see again there's almost no uh, benefit to hormone therapy in terms of distant metastasis and prostate cancer specific mortality in patients with low decipher score, there, there continues to be a benefit in patients with uh, intermediate to high decipher score. But what's particularly uh, intriguing and, and a little bit, um, uh, um, you know, is something that we really probably should be paying attention to is that the overall survival uh, of patients who got hormone therapy uh, uh, added to radiation was actually worse than the, the patients who just got radiation alone for patients with low decipher score uh, and, and low PSAs. And you know this uh, study, unfortunately, wasn't large enough to show statistical significance. And so I don't really know whether we can say hormone therapy is hurting patients, but I, I think what we can say is that you know hormone therapy has potentially some untoward side effects you know, on heart disease and so forth. And so in patients with low decipher score, low PSAs after surgery, I think they can be treated with radiation alone not, uh, and, and may, may be spared hormone therapy. And so in conclusion, accurate risk stratification is important for patient-physician decision-making. Genomic biomarkers improve risk stratification and are now reimbursed by insurance carriers. And these genomic biomarkers can help identify who needs more aggressive versus less intensive therapy. Uh, I'd like to thank all my collaborators who contributed to the study um, and, and also acknowledge uh, my wonderful laboratory team, which is shown here, who uh, helps out uh, with some of the research um, that I showed today. Thank you uh, for your time and your attention. Thanks, Felix, for the uh, very comprehensive talk. Um, what I'd like to do, there's been a number of questions, but I'd like to frame a couple of them for you. Um, so you've talked about a number, actually, let me ask, take a big step back and ask you to differentiate for us, what's the difference between one of these classifiers and what you hear about, you know, mutations in prostate cancer, like a BRCA mutation or things like that? Is it, are, are we talking about the same thing here or is it different? Yeah, it's a great question, Eric. So the classifiers I talked about today, including Decipher, measure, the levels of something called RNA um, uh, in, in cancer samples. And mutations are in the DNA uh, of cancer samples, uh, and they can also be in the DNA of uh, normal cells as well. And so the difference here is 
There's RNA-based markers and DNA-based markers. I won't go into the differences between RNA and DNA, but there are different components of cells. Um, now, with regards to particular mutations, I think there was a question about BRCA mutations and so forth. So BRCA mutations are interesting because uh, a patient uh, who has a BRCA mutation may actually have that mutation in all the cells of their body. Um, and then uh, uh, one of those cells forms prostate cancer when it picks up usually a second mutation in that same BRCA gene. Uh, and um, so there are different types of genetic or genomic testing uh, that, that uh, patients can undergo. What I talked about today is kind of testing of the cancer sample itself. Okay. But for some patients, you know, if you want to, if you're worried about BRCA and so forth, if there's a strong family history of prostate cancer, and um, you know, there's people with diagnosed with prostate cancer at young ages in that family, uh, you know, you can take a normal blood sample and look for a BRCA mutation to see whether that particular patient is at higher risk of developing cancer. My talk today was about the, the, the risk of cancer progressing once that cancer has been diagnosed, but you can also use genetic tests to try to predict the risk of even developing the cancer to begin with. Good, thank you. So let me, let me just ask, this will also get at a couple of other questions. Um, you spent a lot of time talking about decipher, um, and there's been some questions about co comparing and contrasting one test to another. I'm not going to ask you to do that as much as, is there reason, you know, if a, if a patient who's on the line, who's, who's watching this conference, that their doctor has obtained an Oncotype BX test, that they should ask for a decipher is, you know, are there reasons to switch from one to another? Um, is there reason to get more than one? How should patients approach this? Yeah, you know, Eric, so I think it's a great question. Um, and I think the answer is that uh, it depends. <laughs> but, um, but in general, I think one easy answer is that, for example, Oncotype is not approved in all, uh, all cases of localized prostate cancer. It's mostly uh, approved for lower risk prostate cancer, whereas, you know, Cypher Polaris are approved for across the board, including for patients with more aggressive prostate cancer. Um, for the studies that I showed earlier, like if you're thinking about, let's say, whether, you know, you should get radiation alone or radiation plus hormone therapy, um, I think Decipher is probably the most validated in that setting. And so in that context, I think there is a difference between Decipher and Oncotype, not because Oncotype uh, doesn't necessarily work, but because it hasn't been tested in that specific clinical setting. Okay. And then let me just clarify one more thing. Um, is there any role for any of these tests uh, to help patients with, which we'll be talking about tomorrow, um, uh, say in the setting of metastatic disease? Um, you know, so these tests are largely to identify who's going to have aggressive disease or who isn't. By the time you have metastatic disease, I think your disease has declared itself. And so these particular tests are probably less useful. Now, there are plenty of other genetic tests. At that point in time, you want to look at mutations uh, and, and you want to look for, you know, uh, things associated with small cell prostate cancer and, you know, specific mutations that actually may predict response to specific drug treatments. But um, not necessarily the ones I talked about today. Okay. Just, just that's good. It's a good distinction that these tests really are useful for defining risk in men primarily with localized disease. 
And tomorrow, uh, when we talk about advanced disease, we will be talking about the genetics of those patients. Great. Thank you very much, Dr. Feng. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.